This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's good, brothers and sisters? You got Joe Fortenbaugh, Freddie Coleman in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. And would you ever eat a grilled alligator? We'll find out if you actually want to do something like that coming up in about 15 minutes. But it's time for us and for you to get ranked. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Windows my whole career. Prescott has had a fantastic. We want to win the Super Bowl. To the top five NFL fan bases. <laughs> We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio. 158, go. Rank them. The top five wide receivers. Number five. All right, so I'm kicking this off here. Yes, Number you are. five wide receiver in the NFL, Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. Would be higher if there weren't necessarily off the field issues with the team right now, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know what those issues are, so I'm <laughs> going to let that go. 1,000 plus yards in five straight seasons, led the NFL in receptions and receiving yards a few years ago in 2020, and this is important for me. He's produced on not one, but two different teams. Big time in Buffalo, but he was a producer with the Minnesota Vikings as well. That shows you're not necessarily a system guy or dependent upon great quarterback play. You can get it done no matter where you play. Now, it was two good quarterbacks, Freddie Coleman, Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen, but still, the ability to show it in multiple spots, that's big for me. For me, I got Jamar Chase the Cincinnati Bengals at number five, and had he not been injured, I probably would have had him higher because even though the Bengals' offense was good without him, They weren't great without him when he had that injury that took him out of a couple of games last year. He's just a terrific wide receiver that can do – he can run any route, intermediate, short, long, and make a big play. You try to double team. He's big, strong, fast, and nasty. He's sneaky, fast. We can get behind the defense. He can run through people. I think that guy's only scratching the surface how great he's going to be. I got Jamar Chase of Bengals at number five. Number four. Devontae Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders, 180 targets last season, number two in the NFL, 14 receiving touchdowns, number one in the NFL. Much like Stephon Diggs, he's shown it in not one but two locations. He was great in Green Bay, and it was easy to say, well, he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, but now he's gone to the Raiders. He plays with Derek Carr. It's not exactly the same type of situation, although Carr is a pretty good quarterback, but he's still produced at an extraordinarily high level. Look no further than that Monday night game at Kansas City earlier in the season for that guy's impact. Everybody knows he's getting the ball. Everybody knows the Raiders want to get him the ball. Everybody knows Carr is throwing him the ball, and yet he is still able to get wide open and make big plays on a consistent basis. Devontae Adams, number four on Joe Fortinball's rankings. What Joe said, Devin, let's move on. Number three. <laughs> Would have been That's, overkill. There's, yeah, no need say, for me to, there's no need for me to regurgitate what you just said when I feel the exact same way. So let's move on. All right, so I'm going to take the guy you had fifth. I have him as my number three NFL wide receiver. That's uh-huh. Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals. 22 touchdowns in 29 career games, 15th in targets last season, 15th. But he missed five games. So think about how much Joe Burrow depends upon him. One reason I don't have him higher, and I know I'm pretty sure Orlovsky has Chase as the number one receiver in the NFL. Uh I can see it. One of the reasons I rank him a little bit lower, and this isn't his fault, he does get to play with Joe Burrow. And when you've got elite quarterback play and some of these other guys are producing big-time numbers with quarterback play that isn't as elite, I tend to defer to them. Okay. I love that argument. My number three wide receiver 
is A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles because he kept telling people, if you get me the ball a little bit more, I can show you what I'm going to do. The Tennessee Titans said, we're fine running the ball with Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill might try to find you if you're open. And A.J. Brown <laughs> said, deuces, I'm out of here. He goes to Philadelphia Eagles, and Jalen Hurts said, ooh, wee, I got a new toy for me. And what happened? A.J. Brown was the second-best offensive player in that football team. There was no doubt about that. With the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think another year of those two being together, he's only going to get better. I got A.J. Brown at number three. Number two. He was my number six. It was hard to leave him off the list, considering uh-huh. Philly what they were, and, and then you're they a Philly him and they guy right to the Super Bowl. And you're a I know Philly I didn't guy. I didn't want to come across as a home homer. Who cares about that? To... Be you. <laughs> Be tr- come on. You, you're not new to this. Bring the truth to this. Come on, Joe. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Number two, Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings was very difficult to figure out how I was going to go one two. Ultimately, I decided on Jefferson at number two. I'll make the case for number one in just a few minutes. Right. 184 targets last season led the NFL. 128 receptions last season led the NFL 1,809 receiving yards last season led the NFL he does it in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins a good quarterback not an elite quarterback everyone on earth knows Jefferson's getting the ball (laughs) and he still makes highlight real play after highlight real play on a weekly basis the kid is incredible to watch he's my number two my number two is Tyreek Hill the Miami Dolphins and he proved last year we really proved a little bit in Kansas City but people didn't give enough credit for it that he can run any route it doesn't matter and he loves what I call that face up where he catches the ball and face up a defensive back. I've not seen that in the National Football League, the way that he's able to do that, where he can stop on a dime, catch the ball, face up, and then get back to jet speed immediately when it comes to Tyreek Hill. It's a very unique way that he can really generate big plays in a short passing game. And Tua Tungabailoa can stay any kind of healthy. If he can play anywhere near 15 games, I can't even imagine what this offense is going to look like because when he was healthy, Joe, we saw that Miami Dolphins offense look like with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. He commanded so much attention, but yet a big play is always there in his hands. I think he's that terrific. I got him at number two. Number one. Tyreek Hill. Couple things to add to that. Number one, Tua Tungavailoa went from being a bust to being a, if he stays healthy, they could go to the Super Bowl type quarterback because of what Tyreek Hill brought to that offense. And it's not just a guy who's fast, who catches passes and goes for touchdowns. Watch what happens on plays where he doesn't get the ball. So fast, blowing the top off a defense. So dangerous, commanding so much attention from said opposing defense, that it opens up the field for everybody else. There is no way as a defensive coordinator you can spend the week getting ready for a Tyreek Hill offense and not have nightmares throughout the week preparing for that Tyreek Hill offense. He is that dangerous to try to prepare for, and you're still not going to stop him anyway. Did it in Kansas City. Now he's doing it in Miami. That's what puts him at number one for me is just how great he has made Miami look by showing up. For me, it's Justin Jefferson, the Minnesota Vikings, because Kirk Cousins' numbers would be nowhere near without a guy like that. And people wonder, okay, why are you moving on from Stephon Diggs, even though he could be a malcontent and be a problem wide receiver? Minnesota said, we got that guy. (laughs) It's called Justin Jefferson that we drafted out of LSU. And what was that LSU wide receiver room like when he and Jamar Chase – along with Joe Burrow, part of one of the greatest offenses, not the greatest offense we've seen in college football in the last 25 to 30 years. Those two guys were on the same football team at LSU with Joe Burrow as their quarterback, and all he's done is gone to Minnesota, and he was that dude the minute that he got there, and that's why they moved on from Stephon Diggs. There's not a route he can't run. There's not a deep back he can't wear out. There's not a catch that he can't make. One hand, two hands, one finger with his mouth, Justin Jefferson does it all. (laughs) For my money, Joe, he's the best wide receiver in the National Football League. I mean, that LSU team, Joe Burrow, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Uh, Edwards, yeah. 
Like you, and that's we're just scratching the surface of the offense. We yep. didn't talk about the O line. We didn't talk about the defense. Absolutely, that team was stacked. You didn't have Stephon Diggs in your top five. And like no, me on that. No, by the way, Joe Ford and Bar Freddie coming together on Fitz and Harry and ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Stephon Diggs is fantastic. There's no doubt about that. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be left off the list. Off the list. But I look at Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. And I see guys that are going to be better, continue to be better wide receivers. I wonder if we're going to start to see a little bit of a decline from Stephon Diggs. And it has nothing to do with what's going on, whatever's going on off the field. If he felt he wasn't being appreciated, not being heard, not being held, not being hugged. I don't know what that is. What's going on with him <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills? They're going to have to figure that out. But I look in terms of quality wide receivers, and it's a razor-thin margin. That's the fine digs to not make my top five. We're not talking about the top five here, John. There's a wide gap between him right. at number six. But I look at what Jamar Chase been able to do, how he's made Joe Burrow better. Devontae Adams, what he did for Aaron Rodgers, what he did for Derek Carr, and they hope he can do the same thing with whoever's going to play quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. A.J. Brown, that's the guy I couldn't wait to put in my top five because I kept looking at him thinking, okay, why is he not better than he is? And then I found out the problem. It was the Tennessee Titans that did not allow him to be that kind yep. of wide receiver. He goes to Philadelphia, and he's a number one. He's a WR1, and he showed that he could turn over a defense and flip a defense. I just think those guys on Tyreek and Justin Jefferson are just a little bit better, even though Stephon Diggs is, not, of course, a bad boy playing for Buffalo for the Buffalo Bills. Here's how good A.J. Brown is. Tennessee traded him to Philadelphia. Tennessee went to Philadelphia during the regular season to play the Eagles. A.J. Brown tore them to shreds, yeah. and they fired the Tennessee Titans general manager the next day. Exactly. That's what <laughs> the GM got fired after a game in which his team went to take on one of their former players, who, oh, by the way, they desperately were in wide receiver. Yep. They needed help at a wide receiver badly. Mm -hmm. And they went to Philly, he torched them, and they fired him the next day. One name that didn't show up on either list, okay. and it didn't even show up on the fringe of right. any of our lists, and all the other conversations we can have about young guys coming up, things like that, Cooper Cup. We're just a couple of years removed from this guy putting up one of the biggest seasons in NFL history at the position. We didn't even mention him. Yeah. He was hurt last year and LA fell apart, but is he more a byproduct of the system in your opinion? Well, I never looked at a guy being a byproduct of a system because you can have the greatest system in the world, but if you have terrible players, then that system is going to fail. By design, you can have great players in a terrible system. There's only so much they can do because of that. Cooper Cup is an outstanding wide receiver. I had him at number, number seven behind Stephon Diggs. I think he's that creative. But there are a lot of times where you can scheme him open. And I go back to that Super Bowl year. Even though he had a great Super Bowl, he would not have gotten those catches at Odell Beckham Jr. not towards ACL yeah. in the first half versus Cincinnati. That's a guy that he would be in my top five if he can stay healthy. And if he's reasonably healthy, for the Baltimore Ravens this year, Joe, that offense is going to look a lot different. Lamar Jackson being back, Todd Monken being the offensive coordinator. They get Zay Flots up. That was a great pick getting him at Boston College. I think he's going to be a terrific slot receiver at the beginning for Baltimore. But I look at a Cooper Cup, and I know how he's terrific. But at the same time, there was a guy that was better that was getting a lot of those catches once he got going when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. and the Rams when they won that Super Bowl. Joe Fortenbaugh, Freddie, coming in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And would you eat alligator if it was on the grill? <laughs> and why was Kobe Bryant dissed by the number one pick in the NBA draft? That's next. More runs than anybody in the history of this ballpark. 24 of them today, and they win it by 20. Florida 24, LSU 4, and that sets up one more game. 
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Gets a fastball here, lines it in the gap in left center, and he's going to have himself a couple of ribbies. Thomas will round third, head for home, and Fabian contributes to the onslaught here in Omaha. And the Gators get two more. It is now 24-3. to They put up more runs than anybody in the history of this ballpark has done. Florida 24, LSU 4, and that sets up one more game tomorrow night. Big thanks to Learfield because the College World Series is the only place where you can have jello shots, 24 runs being scored in a game, a winner-take-all game tonight, and fried gator on the grill. <laughs> what? Joe Fortenball, Freddie Coleman together on Fitz and Harry coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. So we got a winner-take-all game tonight, Joe. LSU in Florida because in the SEC, we know it means more. Game three of the College World Series, 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. As someone who's a college baseball nut like I am, this is the perfect ending to what's been an unbelievable college baseball tournament and a College World Series involving these two. I feel as if this might be one of the most underappreciated sporting events on the planet. I'm with and that's you. not to hype it up because we have a game yep. three tonight. It's I'm just. With you. I'm a fringe college baseball guy. Like, this is the time of year where I get involved, right? I yeah. know the teams that are going to Omaha, and I track it from there. But I'm not watching during the regular season. I'm not up to speed on everything. I just know some highlights. Right. Every year when we get to Omaha, it feels like every single game ends in harrowing, dramatic, walk-off fashion. You're right. It, it's like normal baseball. You're a Mets fan. You know what normal baseball looks like. Yes. It's not pretty. Yes. This type of baseball seems like it's the most exciting thing on the planet. And tonight, Game 3 could have all the makings of living up to that excitement. As you heard from Joe Fordenball, let's bring in Kyle Peterson, who'll be a part of the coverage tonight. 7 o'clock Eastern Time at ESPN, Game 3 the College World Series between LSU and Florida. Does a great job as an ESPN college baseball analyst. Kyle, before we get started with the game tonight, we saw the video of a Gator being on the grill, curled up, <laughs> tail on one end, head on the other meeting. Have you ever in your life had anything along the lines of a fried alligator? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had gator. Yeah. Really? Does yeah, it taste I like chicken? Root. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's all about the seasoning, like most things, but uh, I did not have that gator. But I have had gator before. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be at the top of my list, but yeah, I, that one I've crossed off. Wow. All right, so game three tonight in non-alligator related news, although <laughs> we are talking about the Florida Gators and the LSU Tigers here. I see what you uh, did LSU there. wins game one. It's tight 4-3. They lose game two yesterday to Florida, who blows them out of the water 24-4. to So if you're LSU, how do you respond after what happened yesterday? So Wes Johnson's their pitching coach, and I think he said it best. We saw him after the game. And we were walking back to where the trucks were, and he said, you guys are golfers. Uh, this is match play, and I just made a 20. <laughs> but it still only cost me one hole. Right. And that's what it is. Wow. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, yeah, it was unlike any game that I've ever seen in Omaha, which I feel like I've said a few times this week. But at the end of the day, whether you give me 3-2 and 18 innings or whether they beat you by 20 runs, it's still the same thing. <laughs> um, and I think the advantage to getting beat like that as opposed to the other, is they didn't use their best bullpen arms. They're ready to go. 
So if you're going to get beat in that game, as backwards as it may sound to some, I'd rather get beat that way and know that I'm as best set up for today as I can be, and I think LSU is. Kyle Peterson, ESPN College Baseball Alice will be part of the call tonight of Game 3 of the College World Series between LSU and Florida at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fortenbaum, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. LSU, even though we know they, can, they can't score, they can score at times. Outside of what happened yesterday, giving up 24 runs. But they've had a lot of issues, Kyle, leaving runners stranded on base and in scoring position. What has been the problem with LSU not being able to deliver, even though they have a really prolific offensive times down there in Baton Rouge? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just left a chance, right? I mean, you may hit it at somebody. Guy may make a pitch. Um, I mean, they've got plenty of pieces. They have the whole year, but yeah, they left them loaded. Each of the first two innings yesterday, they left 10 on the first four innings the day before. So, um, you know, recent history is not that good to them. And I apologize if when did it. Um, but the reality is, is um, you know, if you write a lineup card out that says Deans, White, Morgan to start, and then three guys after it that bleed purple and gold as much as anybody does, you got a really good chance. And it may not have happened exactly when they wanted to yesterday. Clearly, then the day before, Hey, Beloso is an awesome story for them. I mean, he wasn't even going to play this year. He tore his ACL last year before the season. He didn't play. He's not going to play pro ball, um, but he's a great college hitter. And Jay Johnson talked to him and his dad before the season and said, man, I'd, I'd really, really like you to come back. In New Orleans, he's an LSU kid, and he hits the ball in the seats the other night to, you know, to give him a one nothing lead in the finals. So when you get star power at the front and you've got three that you really, you really trust in the middle, um, you're taking chances with that one. Tiger shortstop Jordan Thompson along the same lines uh, with what Freddie was just asking. He's one for 30 at the dish in Omaha with his only hit coming mm. in LSU's opening game against Tennessee. Is he battling an injury there? Any chance he can find a way to turn it around tonight? No. I mean, not as far as I know. I mean, well, to answer your first question, no. I don't think he's battling an injury. Um, I think the game, the game speeds up for a lot of people here anyway. But I think then it speeds up more if you're not doing what you've done historically. Right. And that's kind of what's going on right now. Um, and we saw it defensively with him a little bit too. So, I mean, I just kind of need him to push the reset button. He had a great year. And honestly, defensively made a lot of big jumps. He's got juice. You know, the average is way down because he's won for his last 30 or whatever it is. But um, still, he's, I mean, he's got a chance to, to potentially end up in the big league someday because there, there is juice out of the bat. The movement's working short. It's just it's been a rough 10 days. But, I mean, it's the beauty of the game, right? Any game that it is, it, it starts it starts at noon tonight. Yeah, no doubt. And who knows? Maybe he's the one. Yeah, no doubt. You go from one for 30 and three for three, and all of a sudden nobody talks about that one for 30. If you do that, your team yeah. wins it. By the way, you got a great Twitter handle, KP underscore Omaha. You're a native of that city. It's the only city that can have Gator being grilled, Jello shots at Rocco's, and a winner-take-all game tonight involving <laughs> LSU in Florida. <laughs> Joe mentioned it. This is the most underrated event in sports. For those who have not been there, Kyle, outside of what we mentioned, what is so special about Omaha this time of year? Yeah, I'll tell you what's cool every year is you'll meet, I don't know, a dozen people that'll come up and say, I've wanted to do this forever, and I brought my daughter and my son. And it's it's not just dads, it's moms. And it always falls over Father's Day. And so that, that one's always interesting last weekend. But um, it's just an event that people are drawn to. And, and I think 
you know, ours is a, you know, it's a good sized city. It's a million people, but it, it's not massive. Um, it's, I mean, I kind of say it's, it's big enough, small enough that it's big enough that it has all the things that you want to do, but it's small enough that you still pretty much call anybody. Right. Um, and I think those that come here realize that and they experience it when they're here and the event has run great. I mean, the NCAA, I give them plenty of, of flack for certain things that they, they do from a decision standpoint, but as far as running the championship, they're phenomenal. At it. Um, and they run a great championship here. And I, I think that people see it helps that it's been here 65 years or whatever it is right now. And it also helps that it's in downtown because you can kind of experience a lot of Omaha and, and not have to get in the car to do it. So I'm as biased as they get, but I think it's a pretty good show. Yeah, it's been a very, very good show in the winner-take-all game tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, the College World Series. LSU takes on Florida. Kyle Peters will be part of the coverage. Hit him on Twitter, KP underscore Omaha, as an ESPN College baseball analyst joining Joe and Freddie on Fitz. And Harry, always a pleasure, Kyle, man. Enjoy the game tonight. Take care and be well. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Yeah, always great talk. Like we mentioned, 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And the Ump Camp on ESPNU, College World Series, winner take all tonight. LSU versus Florida, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Be there and catch that action. Joe Fornbar, Freddie coming in for the guys on Fitz and Harry. And who believes that the fighting New York Aaron Rodgers are going to be Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? We'll get to that next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You have a guy like a Dalvin Cook, you can also take more pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. When you look at what Sean Payton wants to do, he wants to get back to early age Russell Wilson. What did Russell Wilson have for early Seattle? It was about defense and Marshawn Lynch. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. You add a run game to that offense in which Nathaniel Hackett, when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the run game was a huge part of what they did. If you have a guy like a Dalvin Cook, you can also take more pressure off of Aaron Rodgers. The Denver Broncos, I think when you look at what Sean Payton wants to do, he wants to get back to early age Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. He wants to run the football. What did Russell Wilson have early Seattle? They ran the football. He got a lot of the credit, but it was about defense and Marshawn Lynch. And if the New York fighting Aaron Rodgers is get a guy like Dalvin Cook, does that make them legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the AFC? Things that make you go, hmm, here on Fitz and Harry. Joe Fortenbar, Freddie, coming in for the guys today, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app. And since X and Channel 80, we're going to talk about that and so much more with somebody who had the misfortune of being around me for two hours in first take. And now she got to hear from me again. She's Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. Always does a great job. Hit her on Twitter. She's a great follow as well. I'm going to start right there with Dalvin Cook because he's still out there, Kimberly, mm-hmm. as a free agent. Mm-hmm. What is the latest are you hearing on where his next destination could wind up being i mean if you follow dalvin on twitter he thinks he could fit in anywhere this man is liking tweets about tweets that link him to the jets the patriots the dolphins the bills um if you look at the afc east you can make a case for all four of those teams 
Um, you know, the Bills, it's cute, reunited with his brother. Uh, Dolphins, he's a Florida guy. Clearly, Mike, Mike McDaniel, a guy who was a former run game coordinator, would figure out how to utilize all the weapons he would have. The Jets, they seem to be all in on trying to, you know, they got Aaron Rodgers all in on winning Super Bowl. Um, and the Patriots, to me, the Patriots, to me, are a team that really needs him. Like, I understand, you know, Ramondre Stevens. I get that. I just think when you look at the Patriots' offense, Mac Jones needs something, whether you want to say it's a It'd be great if DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook ended up in New England together, really shake things up in the AFC East and in the AFC period. Um, but right now, Dalvin is, is not in any rush to, to sign it anywhere. you got the deadline coming up for the franchise players to sign their uh, – to get signed. Um, yeah, I'm doing radio. <laughs> to, to get signed. And – I think if I'm him, I just wait. I kind of survey the landscape and see what the numbers are for some of these guys. Because let's be honest, he is not on the street because he can't ball. Right. He's on the street because he was owed a base value of more than $10 plus million plus for the Vikings, and they released him because of that. So if Dalvin wants to take less money to be with a contender, cool. There are a lot, going to be a lot more options. But if he's trying to get paid big bucks, a lot of these teams might say, like, for instance, the Jets might look at their roster and be like, we're set. We got free Hall. We've come back off an of injury. We were excited about drafting him. We just drafted a fifth rounder at the running back position. We've got Michael Carter. Like, they might say we're set. We would love a Dalvin Cook, but we don't need to, to spend any more money because we think we're set. So it'll be interesting the next three weeks how everything pans out with these running backs. Speaking of running backs and money, we're less than a month away, as you just alluded to, to the deadline for Josh Jacobs of the Raiders and Saquon Barkley of the Giants to sign their franchise tenders. What do you expect to happen with each of those situations? Uh, I couldn't hear you. You said which were the running backs? I'm sorry. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. You know, this Josh Jacobs situation is really fascinating to me because not only did the Raiders not pick up his fifth-year option, the kid comes out and leaves the league in rushing, and then they still tag him. <laughs> if you're Josh Jacobs, you got to be like, what more do I have to do for you guys, honestly? And, it, and I'm, I'm so disheartened by the depressed running back market because teams will grind these guys into the ground, um, literally, and then turn around and not win big money. So that said, with Saquon, you know – clearly both sides want to be together. They, it's just it's just a matter of will Saquon get the security he wants. He has said, you know, I'm willing to sit out the season. I don't think he will. I don't no. think it makes sense for him to sit out the season. And John Mara loves Saquon. This is a guy who's got history with the franchise. Honestly, if you ask me, Saquon deserves more money than Daniel Jones. I think it, it, Saquon's value to the Giants to me supersede sort of I understand it's a quarterback I get it I get it but that offense talking to defensive coordinators throughout the season and covering the Giants in the playoffs defensive coordinators talked about 26 they talked about Saquon um so I think something will get done both sides will be together just I just don't know what the money's going to look like because um Saquon wants to be compensated as he should be but you do have a new GM coming in who's been tasked to clean up some of the financial mess and sort of the roster holes left by Dave Gettleman, the former GM. And Josh Jacobs, it's a no-brainer that he should be with the Raiders, but, you know, he's a guy that deserves to get paid, Max Dollar. And unfortunately, Max Dollar doesn't mean much at the running back position as we see. 
the always terrific Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, hit her on Twitter by Kimberly A. Joining Freddie Coleman and Joe Fortenbaugh on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. So a lot of people looking at the Jets. May they go out there, Dalvin Cook as a free agent running back or DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of people believe that no matter what they do or don't do, Kimberly, that they're legitimate mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. Where do you stand? So I definitely see the Jets as a top team in the AFC East. And before all my wonderful Bill fans gets on me, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm not as, I don't know, I've just watched the Bills for, for a while, uh, lose in unforgiving and unfathomable ways. I'm wondering if this year somebody unseats them as the best team in that division. And with Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets um, and some of the old Packers that came over with him and some of the new Jets talent, I think this is a team that is definitely a playoff contender. Now, I believe they can win a Super Bowl. This defense is top-notch. Um, I'm trying not to get caught up in the narrative of it, of trying to compare this as a Tom Brady conversation of, like, Brady did it, Matthew Stafford changed teams, and look, it panned out. It very well could pan out. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, unlike Tom Brady, moved to a much tougher conference. The best quarterbacks are literally in, save for um, Jalen Hurts, is literally in the AFC. So Aaron Rodgers not only has to outlast Josh uh, Allen in the AFC East, he then would have to theoretically on his way to Super Bowl get through Patrick Mahomes and um, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. And I think the Ravens are going to be very good this year. So the road to the Super Bowl will be far more challenging than the road that Tom Brady had. That said, it would be a wonderful story, especially as somebody who's a former Jets beat writer, (laughs) <laughs> It'd be remarkable for the fans. They deserve a champion. Um, and it would just be a fitting end as as far as how Aaron Rodgers can sort of reshape the narrative of his, his own career after 18 years, I believe, in, in Green Bay. So I think this is a team that's definitely a playoff contender. I think they can they can win the Super Bowl, but it's just going to be so tough, right? I mean, it's yeah. so tough, as we talked about on first take earlier today. Believe me, if the Jets win a Super Bowl, New York City would be damn ready, they're ready to blow up oh, with the man. Jets fans of that happen. Oh, they, might succeed, they might succeed from the union and go to Canada. That's how, they, that's how gifted they would we feel about winning the Super Bowl. We will not see Mike Greenberg ever again. Never again. Oh, my. He'd be like King Midas. <laughs> That'd be it. Let's put it that way. Oh, it's appreciated, Kimberly. Great job as usual, my friend. Take care and be well. Thanks, guys. Great stuff by Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. Hit her on Twitter at Kimberly at by Kimberly A. You can hit us on Twitter. Joe's handle, Joe Fordenball. My handle at Coleman, ESPN. Freddie Coleman, Joe Fordenball. In for the guys today on Fitz and Harry and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Suits X and Channel 80. And we stayed with the New York Jets. Boy, the offensive rookie of the year had plenty of things to say about the Jets trying to get Dalvin Cook to join their team. You're going to hear that next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. You can always join the show, Graham, with Freddie Coleman and Joe Ford and by Info the Guys today on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius X and Channel 80. Hit us up anytime you want at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joe, this is what happens when you have Aaron Rodgers on your football team and everybody is feeling groovy, baby. Check out what Garrett Wilson, Jets wide receiver, had to say about Dalvin Cook is out there as a running back. 
The Jets could use to go to Brees Hall. And Garrett Wilson, Mr. Honesty, said this. Dalvin Cole, man. So yeah. me, I know I've Dalvin Cook since he was at Florida State. And, yeah. and uh, I was a Florida State fan growing up. So, you know, obviously I'd love to add someone to that, that talent. But, you know, the front office is going to make the right decision. And then Dalvin got to do his best for him. I don't know. I'm just speaking on my love for him and, and how yeah. he plays the game. So, okay. um, obviously, you know, I would love to play with someone like that. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say some more, say some more, say some more. It comes to Garrett Wilson. And I don't know what kind of market is not going to be there for Dalvin Cook because that market has not dried up. But if you're a Jets team and you believe, you think your offensive line is going to be better, you pair a Dalvin Cook with a Brees Hall, a guy like that, now you really got something with Aaron Rodgers, that defense, and that wide receiver core. Yeah, you've got weapons all over the field because Cook's a dual threat. He can catch passes out of the backfield. People forget about that because the yeah. last few years in Minnesota, you've had the rise of Justin Jefferson, and then right before that, it was Adam Thielen and Steph Diggs. But Cook can catch passes. And Brees Hall, if he's coming back off injury and he gets close to 100%, that would be a dangerous and formidable combination back there alongside Wilson and everything else right. that offense tends to offer. But it's all going to come down to the offensive line. Everything with the Jets this season is going to come down to the offensive line. They've got everything else figured out. Mm -hmm. They've got, I I think Robert Sala is a good coach. I was working in San Francisco when he was the defensive coordinator there. The players bought into him. They liked him. He seems player friendly. It seems like the team will rally and will listen, but they have to find a way to protect Aaron Rodgers. It all starts up front. And you saw that issue with Cincinnati when they got to the postseason. That will happen time and time again. You might be able to navigate the regular season, get yourself 10-11 wins, and get to the playoffs. But once everything gets ratcheted up, the line play matters. You saw it in Philadelphia. It's what got him to the Super Bowl, offensive and defensive lines. So for the Jets, if there's any focus whatsoever on spending money or building anything, I'd be looking at the offensive line and making sure that is as good as it can be heading into the start of the season. Yeah, because they addressed it in the draft by getting Tipman. They got Dwayne Brown. They believe he can play at right tackle. But there's still question marks, to your point. Joe, about that offensive line of New York Jets. And Aaron Rodgers is still a great quarterback, but he's not great to overcome that. Five years ago, yes. Five years later, no. Which means that if you're the New York Jets in a loaded AFC, you potentially have to go into buildings with terrific defensive lines. Kansas City, for example. The Baltimore Ravens, they got a great defense everywhere if people can stay healthy. Can't forget about the Buffalo Bills, what they're able to do on defense if they can stay healthy as well. There are some teams and some dudes on the other side of football that if you got any kind of offensive line questions – the best way to help that and help your quarterback is that you better be able to run the football and reduce that kind of stress because Aaron Rodgers can still do it. You don't have to have him do it, Joe, 17 times out of 17 times. you got to make sure that running game will make sure that he does not have to do that by himself at this point of his Hall of Fame career. And he's such a high IQ player. He understands the value and importance of getting the ball out of his hands in a hurry. That's what makes a guy like him so valuable when it comes to having an inferior offensive line. He can mitigate some of that damage. It's like having a suspect secondary. If you have an elite pass rush, those guys aren't running around for four to five seconds trying to cover. If the quarterback has 2.9 seconds to get the ball out of his hands, those corners and safeties are going to look a lot better than they actually are. Same thing with a quarterback who, like Patrick Mahomes, can extend plays with his legs. Lamar Jackson can extend plays with his legs. But you give these guys an offensive line, suddenly their game can find the next level. And that running game is going to be important because when you play in New York and you play in bad weather late in the year, 
year yep. and you're in a division where you're going to face bad weather, you're going to want to be able to run the football, especially when you have the defense that the Jets are trotting out there. That is a lethal combination. The ability to get stops and then kill the clock late in games by running the ball to protect a lead. It's one of the reasons San Francisco has had so much success. It's because they dictate tempo. Mm-hmm. They get stops. They run the ball and they hold on to it for a long period of time, limiting your opportunities to put points on the board. Joe Fornbar, Freddie, coming in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry and ESPN Radio. Y'all throw this question at you. How legit of a Super Bowl contender do you really think the New York Jets are? Because as a Jets fan, I still have my doubts about that. If you've got an MVP like Rodgers at quarterback and you've got the defense they're putting out there, you're legit. The thing that get, keeps me from buying in is the thing that probably keeps everyone from buying in. Number one, the easiest way to get to the playoffs is to win your division, and your division is stacked. Maybe not New England, right? But when you look at the other two, Miami is on the come right now, as we would say here in Las Vegas. I'm with you. In a big way. If Tua's that Vic Fangio is that defensive coordinator, changes the game for what the Dolphins can do to you. They fell apart late in the year last year because they played four of five games on the road. They had this brutal stretch where they were at the Niners, at the Chargers, at the Bills, then I believe they had a home game. Then they were in New England. It was a it was a terrible stretch. I think the home game was against Green Bay, mm-hmm. of all teams. So this year, four of your final five will be played at home. That's going to be big. But they're on the rise. You know Buffalo is going to be formidable. Yeah. So if you're going in as a wild card team, that means you're beginning the playoffs on the road. And when Kansas City's sitting there with a one seed and a bye, that makes them even more dangerous. If Cincinnati's sitting there with a one seed and a bye, it makes them more dangerous. That right. extra week of rest late in the season to get healthy is worth so much, especially now that only one team gets it rather than two. It would not surprise me, Joe, if there's a 10-win team sitting home in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, that's no, not, how low I think that is. So you've got Buffalo, the Jets, Dolphins, all mm. capable of threatening 10. Yep. I think every team in the AFC North Absolutely. Is, is, is you have to be worried about. No doubt. Baltimore is going to be back in a big way. Cleveland is going to be better than people realize. It's a good buy low on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and their defense is going to be really, really good led by Miles Garrett. The only division you don't have to worry about more than one is the South. And yeah. Jacksonville's going to be good. Yeah, that's going to be a team yep. that's going to probably put 10-plus wins on the board, and no they're going to be in the playoffs. And with Doug Peterson and year three of Trevor Lawrence, that's going to be a tough out in the playoffs. We right. saw that last year against the Chargers. And you got the Chargers and the Chiefs who made the playoffs out of that division last year. And there's always that one team that nobody sees coming that all of a sudden rises up. It could be an 8-9 win team. Keeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers, they won their last four games. Last year they finished 9-8. and eight. And yeah, what's going to happen is Pittsburgh suddenly not going to be a problem. They're a problem every, every year for year. 10 decades. <laughs> but yet Mike Tom is not coaching enough for people in Pittsburgh. They're, oh, you got to get rid of him. Oh, I got to run Mike Tom. Ah, well, who are you going to replace him with? Well, just get rid of him and we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's right. not how that works. Yeah, that's I, that's what you got to love about the fans. We'll fi- yeah, we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Go go get Andy Reid. He's yeah, not available. Exactly. Belichick's like, not available. Not all those Texas fans want to go get Nick Saban. He's not leaving Alabama <laughs> to go to Texas. So stop <laughs> wishing upon a star when it comes to that one. Joe Ford and Bob Freddie coming in for the guys today on Fitz and Harry, and an NBA trade happened in the last 30 minutes. No, not that one involving Damian Lillard, but it's a trade anyway that'll give us something to talk about. Keep it here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 